Uh, you're stuck with me for a while now. <laughs> I, got a, I got a couple beefs to pick first. There's a screen up there about our, uh, our uh, vision statement. I'll get into that later. Um, first is with, I'm going to pick a uh, beef with Greg. He's not here, so I can pick on him. Greg Ween's our uh, board chair. Last week, he came up here and gave Lowell a beautiful introduction. This week, he takes off, <laughs> and I get to do his job. <laughs> uh, what a blessing it is to be up here. I've been, uh, I, I wouldn't say looking forward to it, but uh, I've been anticipating it for a while now. Um, let's get into my second beef I have this morning, though. Let's do some easy math here. Uh, this isn't a trick question, so don't think about it too much. Um, I've got 30 or 40 minutes to kill here, so I figured I'd go through a little, uh, uh, little illustration here. Let's, uh, so I have four tomato plants. We're the tomato capital of Canada, so I decided to use tomato plants. I've got four tomato plants. They get 54 tomatoes. It's pretty good. Not bad. I'm not a gardener. My wife does lots of gardening. I don't touch it. It's all going to die if I touch it. You have six plants that get 54 tomatoes. That's okay. It's not as good as the four plants as far as I'm concerned. Let's, show, uh, let's have a show of hands. Who thinks the four plants did better than the six plants? Okay, Who's, who thinks six plants did better than the four plants? Okay, there was one person. But that's all right. <laughs> Somebody doesn't like tomatoes. That's who they kept their head up there. All right, so Lowell was up here last week, and he started his service off uh, with a bunch of truth. He started talking about the trivia night we had, uh, and it is true, his team did win after eight rounds. Yeah, I can hear the chuckles already. People who are there know where this is going. His team did win in the tiebreaker round, eight points to seven, and there was no prize for winning. And yet, I'm here with my beef. The next slide will show, oh, please do it. Oh, there it is. There are names with those plants. You will see my name up there. That's right, some applause for the four plants. Good job, Janet, Justin, Patrick. You carried our team, we did great. And I, in my heart, yeah, in my heart, we won. <clears throat> Let's have another show of hands of uh, the people who think that I'm, uh, think, think they know me well. Who, th who here thinks they know me fairly well? Come on, there's more people. If you've played a sport against me, you know me well. <laughs> All right, now see a show of hands of people who would say that I am not competitive. There you go. I'm glad there were no hands. I was going to have to apologize for, to you for not showing you my true colors. All right, I shared this verse the last time that I spoke, and I'll probably share it again the next time because it applies to, to how I feel when I am asked to speak in front of people. Second Corinthians, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians says, but he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Um, and public speaking is not my forte. It's uh, not something I seek to do. So um, 
It's Christ's power through me that is uh, the only reason I can be up here and speak to you without shaking and dropping this microphone. <laughs> uh, before I get into my message, I want to share what the, uh, something that has been on my mind for a, a, bunch, a few years now. Uh, and when Randy Friesen was down here for the Holy Spirit weekend, he uh, just reiterated this fact in my mind. Uh, Randy shared <clears throat> during one of our meetings how the church is so much more than a man on stage once a week. Centuries of church culture have brought us to a point where many of our spiritual lives revolve around one man once a week, sharing what God has put on his mind for 40 minutes or so. And at the same time, our church culture has placed this pastor or priest or clergy on a pedestal as someone to be revered and or even followed. I'm not speaking specifically about just Meadowbrook. This applies to all denominations in Western Christianity. We come on Sunday mornings and we assume that the pastor or the preacher has it all together. And then scripture says in James 3 that teachers slash pastors will be judged at a higher standard. But are we the ones creating that standard? Are we the ones doing that judging? Because I would agree, I would argue that it is, that is God's position, not ours. I'm saying this for two different reasons. To make sure that we as a body at Meadowbrook are extending the proper support and respect and grace to the man who will fill our lead pastor role. And also, if Sunday morning is the only time that you're listening or studying or expanding your knowledge of our limitless God, let me encourage you to lean in harder to find more ways to hear his voice and hear his spirit. So let's get back to our vision statement here at Meadowbrook. As a board member, I guess I I felt obliged to bring this up. Um, But it does fit in nicely with uh, how I'm feeling this morning. Upward, inward, outward, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. So my goal here today, this morning, is to to share some personal stories. So that in doing so, I may encourage you to look inward. Not in inward at me, inward at you. And as you look inward, you'll you'll, you'll realize you need to look upward. And as you look upward, you will desire to look outward. Not long after our dear friend Chris Walker announced his resignation here at Meadowbrook, I had a pretty good idea that I'd be up here. As I was part of the Board of Elders, and we didn't have a, a, a plan for an interim pastor. So this has been about three, three months in the making, probably, since I knew that I was going to be up here. Um, for the last couple months, I've been trying to decide or, and discern what God had on, to, to put on my heart to share. And, and the word of perspective just kept coming back to me. I felt there were other topics that I would have been more comfortable sharing with, maybe even more knowledgeable about or enjoyed speaking on even more. But this one word just kept coming back to me, perspectives. So after I decided to follow the Spirit's prompting, I started to try and figure out how to, like, where do I start? I've I've never prepared a sermon before. (laughs) That's something I've even thought about trying to do. So I was kind of floundering. I had some minor points that I had thought of that that I could share with you. But this is supposed to take 40 minutes, right? I can't dismiss everybody early. You would be lost on Sunday if you got out of here early. (laughs) So late last week, I was texting my twin brother. For those of you who don't know, I do have a twin brother. He is a pastor. He lives in Burlington. Uh, I know it's hard to believe that there's someone out there as handsome and witty and tremendously humble as I am, but there is. Uh, We are fraternal twins, so we do not look identical. 
Uh, his top piece of advice to me was, whatever I speak about to make it personal, to speak from the heart. <clears throat> so today I'm going to share a few personal stories, how they relate to my Christian walk, and how now at my wiser but not yet old age, I can see how bad my perspective was, but also how much better it has become with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So all these, these stories won't all paint me in the greatest picture. Uh, but I trust within my openness and honesty, I can inspire you to also search the Spirit in all aspects of your life. Regardless of how old you are, because the earlier you learn these lessons, the better. And on the flip side, we will never be too old to learn more about our God. This following scripture ties in perfectly with how I feel this morning. Paul, in his first verse there, you can read, I came to you in weakness with fear and trembling. <laughs> when I read that passage, I was like, I definitely need to share this one. <clears throat> but the rest of this passage ties in as well. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak not in words taught by us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That last part there. Cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That discerning with the Spirit is a, a big part of what I want to share today. So this is what preachers do, right? Perspective is derived from the Latin word, I don't know, perspectiva? I don't speak Latin, so it means clear perception or seeing through. The term was used in the context of optics to describe the way objects appear. It's that seeing through part that I want to uh, focus on. Are we just seeing our problems? Or are we seeing through our circumstances? So we're going to compare human perspective with God's perspectives today. Isaiah 55 was the base verse I, I based most of my, uh, <clears throat> my thinkings on, my points on. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God talking. <laughs> God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Our human perspectives, severely limited by personal experiences. Maybe not entirely limited, but they are severely limited to what we have gone through, what we have experienced in life. <clears throat> a lot of times we're focusing on immediate gratification. Uh, I could get into a whole talk about social media these days. And... Uh, what immediate gratification has done through the, the newer social medias, for sure. In God's perspective, there's infinite wisdom and understanding. And circumstances would look, more, would look easier or more palpable if you focused on the eternal purpose instead of your immediate gratification. So we're going to start into the stories here when, we, uh, when I go into relationships. The human perspective, self-centered motives and expectations for personal gain. But if you're using God's perspective, you'll have unconditional love and compassion, and you'll focus on others' well-being 
and spiritual connection. In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. It doesn't do almost nothing or do some things without selfish ambition. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is something I did not practice well. (laughs) As a teenager in my 20s, maybe even into my 30s, Uh, This is a verse that uh, did not come into my everyday life. Um, So the story I want to share. Um, I was attending Calvary Baptist uh, just a couple years ago when I was around 20-ish, maybe just before 20. Um, Yes, I grew up in a Baptist church, and yes, I do have a lack of rhythm and dancing skills. Um, Graham Beer was here, uh, he was a youth leader here, and he had started up a floor hockey league. Uh, there were, he had set teams, and there were standings, and, and, and a set schedule, and this, this all appealed to me. This was, this was in my alley. Sports, and organized, and competition. <laughs> um, so I was attending a different church, but coming here to what used, was the old gym. I don't know how many of you remember the old gym, but before the addition, there was a different gym here. Um, but we were, I was coming here and meeting new friends and, and, and guys with similar interests, mo- mainly sports and girls. Um, but I was meeting, like, I knew a couple people already with Brent, Matt, and Risty, but there were other guys like Paul and Frankie and Jake and John, uh, guys that I was meeting for the first time. And some of them are still really good friends to this day. Um, I can't, for the life of me, remember one person on my team, though. I, I literally don't remember one person. There was one guy, though, that I remember wasn't on my team. Um, To protect his identity, I'm going to use the name Rob. Um, And now, when I use the adverb fairly, the word fairly, I mean, I I might actually mean very. Fairy might mean very. You're going to have to determine which one I mean. Um... This part might come off as a little boastful, but it's integral to the story, so I'm going to have to be a little boastful right now. I am fairly skilled with a hockey stick. And, like I said before, fairly competitive. Um, And this guy, Rob, this boy, Rob, uh, he's also a, a fairly skilled hockey player and fairly competitive. If, if we'd been on the same team, oh, it would have been great. We would have had a good team. The other teams probably wouldn't have had a good time. Um, but as fate would have it, we were not on the same team. And I blame Graham for what happened. Uh, our rivalry blossomed. Um, there was, uh, there was when, when we played each other, it got a little dirty. There were some stick checks, uh, maybe some cross checks, probably some body checks. Uh, and maybe some pleasant verbal interactions, I want to call it. Uh, we both just wanted to beat each other so bad. So bad. Um, we were from different churches. We weren't friends. We didn't know each other. We knew each other's first names, and not even because we had talked to each other, just because we heard other people call them that name. Um, like We had no reason to like each other. It, we, we just, it was just a total rivalry um, and in my youthful mind, I just saw Rob as a frustrating, arrogant little pest. <laughs> I, 
I was 20 years old, around 20 years old and not mature. Uh, and I just could not stand playing hockey against this guy. I mean, he was a good hockey player, and I respected that, but I just couldn't stand him. A few, so a few short years later, after my wife and kids and I, we all started, jo- we joined this church and we started attending, and we actually started to become friends, Rob and I. And, and we realized that those, those similarities that caused friction on the hockey on the hockey floor while we were playing ball hockey, those same similarities, they could be the base of what was, it could be like a great friendship. And today, Rob, if you haven't figured out already, is his actual name. <laughs> and and it, it was one of, my, it, one of my very closest friends these days. So today I can see how those frustrating times on the playing ball hockey how I was so annoyed and frustrated with this individual, but how God could turn that into one of the greatest friendships in my life. At the time, when I'm young and not mature enough, I didn't see that. My perspective was self-centered and personal gain. I wasn't doing things out of, without selfish ambition. So now that I'm older, I can understand how God was working on that. <clears throat> Uh, also, I don't call him Rob. It was weird to tell this whole story calling him Rob. Because <laughs> I call him Chuck. And that's a long story. But there are a few of us that still call him Chuck. To the next story about challenges. During challenges with our human perspective, there is fear, doubt, and anxiety. And a lot of time we're de- depending on our own personal strength. If we use God's perspective, we can trust in his strength and see challenges as an opportunity for growth. That's a tough one right there. Opportunities. If George is watching this morning, they're over on a marked men retreat, a bunch of them. If George is watching this morning, he is one man in my life that has always tried to say that. Just uh, when, you, when you say there's a challenge, he's like, no, there's an opportunity. Uh, so the story I want to share along with this slide. Uh, there's that 2 Corinthians 12.9 again, by the way, that I shared before. His grace is sufficient through challenges. <clears throat> so the story I want to share about that same time in my life as I was an immature hockey player picking on Rob. Uh, I was also dating my high school sweetheart, now known as my beautiful wife, Leah. We had a strong connection and we enjoyed each other's company. I was kind of lost in life at the time. I had just dropped out of university because classes about the theory of accounting just couldn't keep my interest level up. Like, the accounting part is boring enough. The theory of accounting is just another step of boring. So my apologies to any accountants in here. Uh, so I was, uh, after I dropped out of university, I started working at a local Tim Hortons. Um, I was actually baking the donuts when they still made them in the store. Uh, now they just bring them all in frozen. Um, <laughs> news, isn't it? News to people. They do not bake those donuts at the store anymore. Um, I don't know how many people know Linda and Louis Tanous here, but Linda was a co-worker with me back in those days. Um, 
And she may have actually been the one to take the call. I don't know. I don't remember. But I got a call at work. And I never get a call at work. This is before cell phones, obviously, because I'm older. Uh, but I, nobody called me at work, ever. Nobody. So I get a call at work some morning while I'm baking the donuts. <clears throat> and it was my sister-in-law. And she was with Leah. And she wanted me to come to her house after work. She had important news that I needed to hear. And this was all really weird. My mind was racing, um, just thinking about what is going on. She didn't give me any details at all on the phone. And unfortunately, I had a pretty good idea what this, pretty good idea what this news was all about. That day I learned that Leah was pregnant. And this was by far the greatest challenge I experienced in my 21 years. And probably still is. Disappointing our parents, our family, our friends, our church, it was a lot to handle. But let's fast forward through all those details so that my eyes don't start leaking. Uh, We married about four months later and then had a son about four months later after after our wedding. And that's that drummer guy that was up here. Uh, life, was, life was a whirlwind at that point. I, there's a lot of things I don't remember about that time in life. Uh, there was things happening way too quick for my brain to process or to put to memory. Um, but yeah, God, God, God got us through it. There's no way I can deny that God got us through that, that time, even though, even though I wasn't leaning on him. Like, I, I, didn't, see, I didn't see this challenge as a, an opportunity at the time. At that, at that age, this was a ball and chain, not an opportunity. And I have regrets. I have regrets about our premarital relations. I have regrets about some of the thoughts and ideas I had during that time. But most of all, I regret not leaning on God's perspective through that time. To trust on his strength instead of my own. If you... If, I mean, those things right there, that they describe that challenge perfectly. Fear, doubt, and anxiety. And depending on my own personal strength, that is exactly what was happening to me at that time. I wasn't using God's perspective to try and trust on his strength, to lean into him, to seek his spirit, to seek his guidance through that situation. He blessed me through it anyhow, but it was no, more, no doing on my part. I wasn't even, I was putting no effort into to, to, to leaning on him at that point. I, call, like, I called myself a Christian, I, I was doing everything that a Christian would do. But leaning on him, I, it's not something that was happening during that time. So, when we're facing life's challenges, can we remember to live out the verse for the, in 2 Corinthians twelve nine? And how about the verse after it? This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults and hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. Can, can, you, can you delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties? For when I am weak, then I am strong. <laughs> can we work through our human emotions? They're completely natural, our human emotions. Can we work through those emotions to find delight? When there's disappointment, frustration, 
frustration, sadness, grief? Can we lean into our Savior and find his peace? Jesus promises tribulations and peace, possibly in the same breath. I don't have a slide on this one, but they are are red words in the book of John. Red words, for those who don't know, those those are words that Jesus spoke. John has written them down as words that Jesus spoke. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you. Jesus is talking to his disciples about his crucifixion. That is coming soon. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. If John's writings are accurate to what he actually said, he easily could have done that in the same breath. I could do it. I'll do it right now. I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Promises both peace and tribulation. This past week has been another struggle. I'm not going to get into details about what happened, but it was big. It was tough. It was God making me put my preaching into practice. (laughs) What I had already written down. It it made it easier to go through because I had already been leaning into this. Um, But the situation was difficult. And I'm not going to share details because, yes, my eyes will probably start leaking. And I am an (laughs) anti-crier. I had, so I had already written this quote down by Chip Ingram in my message before this week. Uh, the quote from Chip says, I either have a very big God and very small problems, or I have very big problems and a very small God. Can we lean on our very big God? Can we find delight? <laughs> that word, I don't know, I could say it a bunch of times. Can we find delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties? That takes work. That takes faith. Decision-making. The human perspective. Our decisions are based on personal desires and motives and are often short-sighted, if not always short-sighted. If we're using God's perspective, we're using prayer and discernment and the Spirit's guidance to make those decisions, to make them easier, to make sure that we're stepping in God's will when we're making those decisions. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will make your paths straight. James 1.3, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's me. You should ask God, who gives freely without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I lacked wisdom when I was making this sermon. I didn't know what I was doing. But I could lean into him. For in my weakness, his power is made perfect. The story I want to share with about this slide is a little more recent. Just a few years ago, in 2016, I was uh, about 38 years old, and I was nominated to be an elder. 
And the initial news of this nomination came as a complete surprise. Uh, I had never seen myself as leadership material, and I did not feel qualified to fulfill that duty. That feeling of inferiority was partially due to my own insecurities, but also because I had watched such godly, mature men fill that elder role before me. Uh, men like Rob Whitfield and Ron Bartell and Roger Epp, just to name a few. Uh, these men had served as board, board members before me, and I did not feel adequate to serve that role. Their love for God and the desire to serve and lead Meadowbrook was something that I didn't feel. I didn't want to disrespect the position that I'd seen these men fulfill so well over the years. But by this time in my life, I had matured just enough to be able to see this as an opportunity. God had laid this opportunity before me, and was I willing to let God's strength work through me, even though I felt inadequate? When I first accepted the nomination, I would have called myself a solid Christian, a mature Christian, maybe not really mature, but partially mature Christian. I did my devotions. I attended on Sundays. I was serving the church already in a couple different ways. And I'd been a member here for 14 years already. But it's hard to even describe the growth that has happened while serving on the board in the past six years. My term is coming to an end. I have to take a year off. Um, But it has been life-changing for sure. And it hasn't even been of my own effort. All I did was I was willing to let my name stand. Serving beside so many amazing individuals over the years, continually inspiring me to grow deeper in my own faith, creating a sense of responsibility and accountability in my life that wouldn't have happened had I not followed the Spirit's guidance and said, yeah, I'll step up and serve. I'm not saying all this to say that I've reached a destination in my Christian walk. I definitely haven't arrived. That's one interesting thing about the Christian walk that, that, that'll always keep me, keep me thinking, keep me wondering that we are striving for perfection. Knowing full well we're never going to get there. Not in this lifetime. But we continue to work and strive towards this goal of perfection. With that knowledge inside, we're not going to get there. Can you keep working in your, in your life if you had a goal, if you had a, a target to reach, but you knew you were never going to get there? I just ran a half marathon, and I had a target of a time to beat. But if, if I had been training and running during those times, and, and, and I knew inside there was no way I could run as fast as I wanted to, would I have kept running? No. The answer is no, because I've already quit running. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, to, to continue on in our Christian walk, we're striving for perfection. We, we are trying to become more and more like Christ. But we're never going to get there. 
As long as we are on this earth, we are going to be sinners. We continue to build and grow our faith, knowing that we can't fully accomplish this task. Only the blood of Jesus can get us there. So in sharing this story, I would also like to encourage you to step up, step out and plug in, be a part of the family. If you're not serving at Meadowbrook, if you call Meadowbrook your home, if this is your home church, I encourage you to find somewhere to serve. And not just because the church needs servants, but because God can do amazing things when you are willing to let him use you. Gratitude and contentment. I could have done the whole sermon on this one. This point right here, I think, is the catalyst of it all. With the human perspective, we're chasing material success for our fulfillment. To get our gratitude and contentment, we're chasing material success. Whether or not that's material items or promotions. Our culture has created this constant comparison. Constant dissatisfaction with what we have or who we are. With God's perspective, we can find joy in spiritual fulfillment and live with an attitude of gratitude. I didn't make that up. Stole that off the internet. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And a similar verse in James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's easy to feel inadequate and overwhelmed when we look at everybody else's talents and abilities. I'll admit, playing bass back there, which I feel much more comfortable back there with my bass and no microphone, Years and years here, there was a, there, there's always been a bass player better than me, right? In my mentality, first it was Jimmy Whitfield, and then it was Josh Tanous. Guys that are just far more skilled at the bass than I am, and, and, that, and that hurt me personally inside. But I can see that that's wrong. Like, why am I compare, comparing my skills to him? We're here to serve him. That comparison game that we get into, the source of so much unnecessary anxiety, self-esteem issues, and even depression. And I can pick on social media again for this. <laughs> I'm not a fan of social media. Um, I could have done a whole topic on social media, but I didn't want to do that. It would all be negative. So, But the, the, the social media has created such a comparison People like we're like we're our culture. We're on social media, and we're just seeing people post these perfect pictures of everything, or perfect videos of, of of their perfect life. Nobody's I shouldn't say nobody, but the the vast minority of people (laughs) are posting real life. Nobody's out there posting their failures, 
not on purpose. That's when other people have the phone and they're taking a video of you and you're failing. That's the ones that get posted. Nobody's taking a video of themselves as they're failing and putting it online. I shouldn't say nobody, but almost nobody. The comparison game is so dangerous. It's dangerous the other way around as well. Not just comparing yourself to someone you think is doing better than you, who has life figured out, but the other way around when you're saying, I'm glad I'm not as bad as so-and-so, or I'm glad I don't sin in that way. Like the Pharisee says about the tax collector in Luke 18. Are we just trying to justify our actions? To make ourselves feel better? To build ourselves some kind of pedestal to stand on? We're all sinners. Romans 3.23. We're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. I want to read that story about the Pharisee in Luke 18. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. The tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. We all need his grace and mercy. We are all lost without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We need to find contentment and gratitude in that. Can you find contentment and gratitude in the fact that you are a sinner and that you are only saved because Jesus Christ died and was rose and rose again? I feel this gratitude and contentment if you can get a handle on this part I think the relationships, the decision-making, the challenges, that part gets easier. If you can live your life with an attitude of gratitude, you'll find his peace. You'll find that delight far easier. You shouldn't be finding your contentment and gratitude in the fact that you think you're doing better than someone else. You shouldn't be finding your gratitude in your possessions or your success. But only that the fact that you've been redeemed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back on up. So in summary, a godly perspective can show you hope and peace in your trials and your challenges. Searching the Spirit can show you purpose and meaning behind them. And not just after the fact, like the stories I shared. It was literally decades later that I could look back and see how God was working, to see how the Spirit was moving, the purpose and meaning behind those challenges that I was facing. 
Literally 10, 20 years later, I can see that. But if we can learn that and live in that attitude of gratitude, we can see the Spirit moving even in the difficult times. While we're in them, we can see the Spirit moving. Maybe you're being tested. Maybe you're being molded. Maybe you're being humbled. Maybe he's redirecting your eyes. Maybe he's redirecting your perspective. Maybe all of the above. I want to finish with these last two verses here. Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, is, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform, and you'll be able to see what God's will is. You'll be able to feel the Spirit and hear the Spirit talking to you. Galatians 5.25 Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That verse reminds me of Terry Bone. A few of you know Terry Bone as he was here during Chris's sabbatical last year. He, uh, he said a statement one time, and I'm not sure if it was up here or in one of the meetings we had with him, but it had an impact on me. We're not, so this is what Terry said, we're not human beings searching for spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings in a human experience. We need our spirits to have a connection with his spirit, to transform our perspectives towards his perspective. Our human perspectives are flawed. They're selfish, short-sighted, fearful, self-serving, His perspective is eternal. His perspective is full of grace, love, and wisdom. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your spirit, God. God, I can humbly admit that this is not my skill but this is your power being made perfect in my weakness and God I just pray that our perspectives can be shifted Lord and we we can transform our minds so that when we are in the challenges and we're working through our relationships Lord that we can see your perspective that we can find your peace through your strength We can delight in our weaknesses, in our trials, in our hardships. Lord, send your spirit to work on us. And open our hearts to be willing for your spirit to do that work, Lord. I thank you for Meadowbrook, Lord, for this church, for the family that is here, Lord. And I just pray that you will continue to bless them. Continue to work on us, Lord. Continue to show us your will. Thank you, God, for your gifts, for your blessings. 
Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In response, let's stand, worship him.